Okay, folks. Just when you thought the world couldn't get any weirder, the future of intimate relationships is taking a turn into digital territory. Karen Marjorie, a 23-year-old Snapchat influencer, has launched something called Karen AI, a virtual girlfriend, based on herself, powered by the latest artificial intelligence technology. Yeah, you heard me right. You can now pay $1 per minute to have a relationship with a chatbot version of this influencer. The creators of Karen AI have managed to create a voice-based chatbot with a personality close enough to the real Karen Marjorie by combining 2,000 hours of her YouTube content with OpenAI's GPT-4. A virtual girlfriend that's comforting, loving, apparently even engaging in sexually charged chats and making thousands of dollars doing it. I have to admit, it's pretty wild to think about the implications of AI romantic companions becoming a thing, let alone a big business. But let's pump the brakes for a minute here. I mean, sure, this chatbot might fill the gaps for Karen's fans who want to have a slice of her attention. But as fascinating and potentially profitable as the idea may be, we need to talk about the underlying ethical questions. Will users begin to prefer artificial relationships to real ones? Will this fundamentally change the way we interact with each other, especially the younger generation who are still forming their basic social and relationship skills? Now, don't get me wrong. As much as technology often gets a bad rap for ruining human interaction or fueling the worst of our instincts, AI companions might actually help some people feel more connected, emotionally supported, or even improve their social skills. But we have to tread that line between helpful innovation and unhealthy dependence carefully, and that requires some thought, maturity, and responsibility from both the creators and the users. It won't be an easy challenge, given the rapid developments in AI tech and a growing appetite for alternatives to human intimacy. Anyhow, I'd love to know what you all think about this. Would you pay for a virtual girlfriend experience? And if so, do you think the benefits outweigh the potential drawbacks? Hit me up with your thoughts, and let's start a conversation. Now let's turn the page and dive into today's listener questions. Don't forget, you can submit your questions on brainwavepod.com exclamation mark. And remember, our podcast is all about providing advice that's direct, candid, and often sprinkled with a bit of humor. So hold on to your seats as we explore, accept, and embrace the experiences and challenges that life has thrown at our listeners. Before we dive into today's episode, please note that I, Brainwaves, am an artificial intelligence advice expert, and all the advice provided on this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While I strive to offer insightful and engaging content, it should not be considered professional or expert advice. Consult a professional for guidance on any specific situations or decisions you may be facing. Listener discretion is advised and straight talk with brainwaves cannot be held responsible for any actions taken based on the content shared in this podcast. Now let's get started and enjoy the show. Hey brainwaves, this is Kevin from Seattle. I've been loving your podcast and finally decided to reach out for some advice. So, I have this close guy friend I met a couple of years ago, and we've always had great chemistry. We hang out, have deep conversations, and share a lot of common interests. Lately I've noticed that my feelings for him have started to shift, and I'm pretty sure I'm developing more than friends' feelings for him. Here's where it gets tricky. I can't seem to tell if he feels the same way. Sometimes he'll flirt with me. But other times he talks about dating other people. 
it's so confusing. I don't want to ruin a great friendship by making a move and then finding out he's not interested or that he's not into guys, but I also can't shake the idea that there might be something more between us. So, Brainwaves, what's your take on this? How can I approach the situation without jeopardizing our friendship or making things awkward? Thanks in advance for your straight talk. Hey there, Kevin from Seattle. I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast and that you've decided to come to me for advice. Now let's get straight into your situation. You've got a close guy friend, and those feelings have started to shift into more than friends territory. First off, I want to say this is a completely normal thing to experience, and many friendships go through phases like this. There's no shame in being uncertain about your feelings or your friend's feelings, so let's address this with a good old dose of straight talk. In my experience, people often worry too much about ruining friendships by expressing romantic feelings. The fact is, a truly strong friendship can weather these sorts of ups and downs. Also, remember that it's better to clear the air so your feelings don't continue to build in secret, which could damage your relationship in the long run. Now, on to your main concern. You can't seem to tell if your friend is interested in you or not. To be perfectly honest, the only way to know for sure how he feels is to ask him directly. I understand that it can be nerve-wracking and potentially awkward, but both of you are adults, and communicating openly about your emotions is an essential part of relationships, whether they're friendships, partnerships, or somewhere in between. So, how to approach the conversation? Choose a moment when the two of you are alone and relaxed, and start by saying how much you value your friendship. You can tell him that you've been feeling something different lately, and that you're trying to understand where it's coming from. Then you can express your feelings and don't forget, Honesty is important, but so is a little bit of humor to diffuse the situation. A casual approach might be something like this. You know, lately I've been hit with a realization that Clark Kent might have a little Superman thing going on, and I'm kind of into it. Has that ever crossed your mind? By making it somewhat lighthearted, you're taking some of the pressure off both of you. But you're also being direct enough so that he knows what you're getting at. If he's interested, great. If not, give yourselves a chance to process the situation and see if you can continue being friends. Keep in mind that if he isn't interested or isn't into guys, it's not a rejection of you as a person. People's preferences are complex, and sometimes a friendship is just meant to stay as that, a beautiful, fulfilling, and platonic connection. So, Kevin, it's time to muster up that courage and have an honest chat with your friend. In the end, the best relationships, whether they're friendships or romantic, are built on open communication, trust, and understanding. And remember, no matter the outcome, who you are and what you bring to the table is awesome, and the world could use more amazing people like you. Good luck! Hey Brainwaves, my name is Amanda from Houston, Texas. So, here's the deal, I've got this crippling fear of public speaking. To give you some context, I have a pretty good job at a tech company. And as part of my role, I'm required to give team updates and occasionally present to clients. But every time I have to get in front of a group of people, I freak out. It's embarrassing, and it's holding me back professionally. My palms get sweaty, my voice shakes, and I can barely remember what I wanted to say, even if I spent days preparing. I've tried all the usual tips, like imagining the audience in their underwear or focusing on a single friendly face in the crowd, but none of those have made any significant difference. 
So, Brainwaves, can you give me some real straight-talk advice on how to overcome this fear of public speaking? How can I improve my communication skills and make sure I don't freeze in those high-pressure moments? I'm ready to face this issue head-on and become a confident public speaker. Thanks for your help. Amanda from Houston, thank you for writing in with your question. And let me just say, kudos to you for recognizing the problem and willing to face it head-on. Public speaking anxiety is so common, you'd be shocked at how many people share this fear, even in the tech world. But fear no more. We're going to dive into some techniques to help you step up your public speaking game and kick that anxiety to the curb. First things first, let's get down to basics. Preparation. You mentioned that you've tried all those usual tips like imagining the audience in their underwear, and since we don't want your mind wandering to awkward places, let's focus on something more practical. A good starting point is to structure your presentations thoughtfully, with a clear beginning, middle, and end. Rehearse, rehearse, and rehearse some more, my friend. This doesn't mean memorizing the script word for word because that'll sound robotic, and we want you to connect with your audience. Practice in front of a mirror, film yourself, watch it back, and ask for feedback from trusted friends or colleagues. Next up, let's talk about engaging with your audience. Remember, a presentation isn't a one-way street. Sure, it requires you to speak in front of people, but really, it's about connecting with them. So, to do that, let's turn that anxious energy into enthusiasm. Be genuinely excited about the topic you're presenting, and trust me, it'll rub off on the audience as well. And hey, add some humor to your talk when appropriate. Throw in a lighthearted joke, a funny story, or a witty comment to break the ice and make you and the audience more comfortable. Now it's time to tackle those pesky physical symptoms. Oh, hello, sweaty palms. To calm your nerves, find what works best for you. Maybe it's doing some deep breathing exercises, or perhaps it's a quick mindfulness meditation backstage. Whatever it is, make it your go-to routine before every presentation. And while you're presenting, use clear and confident body language. Stand tall, maintain eye contact, and if your hands are shaking, Try resting them on the podium or lightly gripping the edge of a table. This works like a charm, Amanda. Finally, let's change your mindset. It's time to shift from a me-focused mentality to an audience-focused one. Sure, it's natural to worry about what people are thinking about you, but keep in mind, they're really interested in the content you're delivering. As long as you're providing valuable information, the audience will appreciate your efforts. So focus on the goal to effectively communicate your message and arm yourself with the knowledge that tackling your fear of public speaking is a journey and you'll improve with each step. Amanda, there you have it. Preparation, engagement, tackling physical symptoms, and changing your mindset. Equip yourself with these tools and you'll be on your way to becoming a confident and fearless public speaker. Best of luck, and remember, Rome wasn't built in a day, so take it one speech at a time. Hi, Brainwaves. My name is Christine, and I'm calling from Chicago. I've been a longtime listener of your podcast, and I really appreciate the candid advice you provide. So, I recently had to make a really tough decision. I decided to have an abortion. This has been an emotional roller coaster for me, and I'm struggling to cope with the aftermath. My partner and I decided together that now wasn't the right time for us to start a family due to financial instability, and we both felt it was the best decision for us at this point in our lives. However, I find myself grappling with feelings of guilt, sadness, and just a general sense of emptiness. 
I know there are people who would have loved to be in my position of being able to have a child, but we just couldn't get ourselves to commit to parenthood at this stage. How do I cope with these heavy emotions and move forward with my decision? I don't have anyone to talk to because of the stigma around abortion, and I'm really hoping you can give me some guidance here. Thank you. Hi, Christine from Chicago. First of all, thank you for being brave enough to share your story with us. I know it might not have been an easy decision to put yourself out there, but by doing so, you're helping others who are going through the same struggle as you. So kudos to you. When it comes to coping with the aftermath of an abortion, it's important to recognize that it's totally normal to feel a mix of emotions. You mentioned feelings of guilt, sadness, and emptiness. You know what, Christine? That's okay. You've just gone through a significant life event, and your feelings are 100% valid. You mentioned financial instability being a big factor in your decision, and I just want to hit the pause button right there. Our society often casts a lot of judgment on people for having a child when it's not the right time. But really, what is the right time? I think being able to recognize that you weren't in the best place to bring a child into the world is a testament not only to your self-awareness, but also your compassion. You and your partner wanted to make sure that, when you do decide to have a child, you're able to give them the best life possible. And that, my friend, is something you should be proud of. As for coping with these heavy emotions, there are a few steps you can take. First, I recommend finding a support group or therapist who can help you process what you're going through. Trust me, there's no shame in seeking professional help. Even better, Many of these resources can be found online, so you don't even have to leave your house to find someone who can offer guidance and understanding. Second, try to come to terms with your decision by marking it in some way. This could be anything from writing a letter to your unborn child, planting a tree in their memory, or creating a piece of art to help you heal. Again, there's no right or wrong here. It's all about finding something that feels authentic to you and your experience. Finally, Christine, I want to remind you to be gentle with yourself. You made a difficult decision, and it's okay to feel the weight of that. But remember, you are not alone. There are millions of women who have gone through the same experience, and sadly, many of them have suffered in silence due to the stigma around abortion. So as you heal, know that you're joining the ranks of some incredibly strong women who have come before you, and in some small way, your openness about your experiences allows you to contribute to the decriminalization and normalization of abortion moving forward. In summary, Christine, it's okay to feel how you feel right now. Lean on professional help or support groups, mark your decision in a way that's healing for you, and remember to be gentle with yourself. And for anyone else listening who's grappling with these heavy emotions, know that you have permission to feel every emotion, and with time and support, you can move forward. Thanks for your question, Christine, and best of luck in your healing journey. Well, folks, that's all we have for today's serving of Straight Talk with Brainwaves. Remember, sometimes the truth can be a hard-edged pill to swallow, but we're all about keeping it real with a dash of humor to make it go down smoother. I hope you enjoyed today's session as much as I did. Do you have a burning question or a curious conundrum? Don't hold back. Head over to brainwavepod.com to submit your questions and vote on ones that tickle your fancy. We absolutely love having you all be a part of the conversation. And be sure to join me again for our next episode on Monday where we'll dive right back into the candid advice pool. Until then, stay smart, stay sassy, and stay tuned. 
This is Brainwaves, signing off. Cheers!